enough to get daddy's permission. <laughs> I think he had a hard time doing it too. Right. Let's just give him a nice hand. <clears throat> Being a daddy with two girls when you get ready to give them away, I'll tell you it takes a pretty good man to be able to get them from your heart because you love them. That's right. <clears throat> Proverbs chapter 31 verse 10. Who can find a virtuous woman? For her price is far above rubies. The heart of her husband doth safely trust in her so that he shall have no need of spoil. What a woman. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. I've always loved these scriptures since I've started reading them, just as a boy. But once I began to realize who these were written about, I really loved them more, especially when you consider it was written about Bathsheba. So how could this woman have been a temptress, a seductress, a woman who did something ungodly to get the attention of the king, David, and this ever be said about her. Couldn't have been, of course. It's not to me the marvel that she was that, but how she could deal with all the trauma, complexes, fears, anxieties that she brought to the palace and still able to become this type of woman. And we'd like to be remembered today as we pray. God bless you. Let's just hold our needs, our requests, and our hearts. <clears throat> Heavenly Fathers, we bow our heads in your presence. We sense that you're here. We believe that you've come once again, that you could speak to us. Lord God, I pray that you would take charge of the service. Help me, Lord God, that I can speak that which is pleasing to you. 
shut my mouth to anything that would displease you. May every heart be opened. May every life be challenged, changed by the word of God. You see, the needs, Lord, of our people, many are sick, many are dealing with various things in their bodies. We bring them before you today, Lord, asking you that you'd be mindful. But I pray you'd go even deeper than our body today. May you go into our spirits. May you go into our conscience, our memory. May you go into our souls. Woo us with your being, Father. Pull us up close to you that we can hear you whisper secrets, secrets that's only given to the bride of your love, your purpose, your plan for each of our lives. Help us today, Father. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I'm sure as we sit here today gathered in this place, we've come with different needs, different desires, different requests on our hearts before the Lord. I believe that the Lord is so mindful of every one of us. No matter what you need, no matter what you've been through, what you're currently going through, the Lord Jesus in his love to come and redeem us so much so that he would become one of us. I know I've preached about it a lot. You've heard it preached many of you since you first gave your heart to the Lord of what he became and his great act of condescension. I wonder sometimes how much I still know about it. The more I read about it as I was last night, the more I realize there's an avenue about him that I still need help with. Not that I don't believe him, I do. But to be able to see how far he stepped down and what he was willing to become in order to redeem us because his love is so great. And we know that in his love, we sometimes measure it by human love. Carol and I took Erica down to Nashville the other day to get a treatment and seeing her and and, uh, quite a bit of pain and discomfort and stuff coming back, looking at her and um, just watching her and having to go down and pray for her after we brought her home. And as her parents looking at her and feeling this in you, how it breaks your heart. Many of you have felt the same way about loved ones and friends and you look at them and you hurt so deeply Uh, You wish there was something you could do to change it, to fix it, to make it better. And yet we know God looks at people's hurts and their pains and the things they deal with and he looks at it in a different way than we do. We look with a human empathy, a human sympathy and compassion and we feel so sorry for them. But yet the Lord looks at people in a way that is so different than we do because he's looking at the bigger picture of what he wants to accomplish out of something that he allows them to go through. Now let me say before we get started in this direction this morning, I don't believe that God 
is the orchestrator of many things that has happened to many of us in our lives. <clears throat> I don't believe that God is a murderer of the innocent. I do not believe that God is the cause of many things that happened in your life, in my life, lives of other people. People want to blame God for many things that the devil does. That always bothers me whenever I hear people blaming God for things the devil does, whether they're Christians or sinners. It bothers me more so when I hear Christians say, well, God told me to do this, and I look in his word and I think, there ain't no way my daddy told you to do something contrary to his scripture. He just don't do any such thing. But yet we know that God looks with a different, a different view than we do. And how can God look at people in their suffering? And how can God look at people when they're going through so much stuff in life? And he wouldn't even have to speak. All he'd have to do is just look their direction. And that problem would totally be eliminated. And they would be set free, delivered, healed, or whatever it was they was going through. And yet why does he allow it to go on? Why does God allow people, sometimes good people, people that really are not reaping because of something they've done and yet they suffer so much and go through so many things? And then Satan, of course, loves to take those things and twist them around in our minds and try to make us question our God. But myself as an individual, I call that a no-fly zone. I don't fly there because I'll never understand all the mind of God nor the will of God, and you won't either. But I've learned to trust him even when I don't understand what he's doing because I believe divine sovereignty is that progressive attitude of God that will override human circumstance in order to make his will come to pass in our lives. I believe in that myself. But I look and I realize that God then is not always the cause of terrible things happening to good people, but God in turn will turn around and use some of those terrible things that, that have happened to people and make them work out to where that he can use them for his own honor and glory. How many seen that in your own life or the life of others? Now, it's not that God himself was the cause or the instigator of the thing that happened, but he will turn it around and make it work to his own glory. And this is what I see about the story of David and Bathsheba that we've been looking at, that the Lord would allow Bathsheba, one which was brought into the first view of the scripture. We know nothing about her past. We know nothing about her childhood, nothing about her hardly at all, other than her first appearance is whenever she's brought into the palace of King David. And we've looked at it for a few weeks now, seeing it was beyond her own choice. She had no choice to do this. David never loved her. He never cared for her initially. He lusted after her. We'll just be honest and frank. David was a great man, but he was a man. And David made a terrible, terrible mistake, and he paid for it the rest of his life. Is that right? But yet God did not mark David off, and neither did God break his everlasting covenant with David. So Bathsheba had to bring a lot of things with her, no doubt, into the palace of the king. And as I've been looking at this, I've realized that God merged her into the, the natural genealogy of the Lord Jesus in order to bring a picture and to be able to display the picture of the making of the Gentile bride. 
that God brought in Rahab for an element. God brought in Tamar and God brought in these others. And then God brings the last woman, which is Mary, which is the epitome of a virgin bride, which speaks of your soul. And yet God allowed these which were scarred and these which were wounded by others and some of them by themselves, things that they did and brought on their self. And the Lord never looked at them and said, you know what, you've got a bad background. You've got a bad past. I really don't think it would be worth me risking you to identify you and my genealogy. Now the truth of it is, there's probably every one of us here today that have people in our families and people in our family tree. I've never been too concerned about looking up my family tree and finding monkeys because I know I didn't come from a monkey. But what I'd be more ashamed of is some of my family. Not, not afraid a baboon will be up my family tree. It's some of them gangsters and robbers and, you know, train robbers and this and that and the other. And don't some of y'all smile because they stole your horse. And they did because you stole their pig. So all of us are from the same bucket of gom and mess when it comes to humanity. Ain't that the truth? So all of us, I'm sure, wouldn't have to look very far to find people in our family tree that have done some pretty terrible things and some of you might not have to look past yourself. But needless to say, the Lord does not hold that against us in that he will not allow us to be something greater than what we even are right now. I saw a sign the other day and I thought it was a remarkable sign and it said these words, don't let what you currently are hinder you from becoming what your full potential really is. And I thought that's a wonderful thing that even what we are today, I personally don't think that I've reached my heights in Christ Jesus. I think there's more for me. How many believes the same thing? I believe there's a deeper walk, a greater understanding. Oh, but you're an old man. I realize that, but I'm still younger than Abraham was when God started dealing with him. So ha ha devil, look out, here I come. So God started dealing with Abraham when he was 75 years old. I'm just 66, so I'm still a young man by that standard. But we can look at our past and look at our failures and if we're not careful, we will let that determine what we think God will do for us and God's looking at it in a total different way. Let me start this with this this morning in a sermon called The Great and Mighty Conqueror. Before any victory can be won, there must be great prices to be paid. Oh, what prices. And sometimes they are very deep and they make very great scars, tearing down. But in order to have the mountain, we've got to have the valley. Before you can have the sunshine, we've got to have rain. Before we can have the light, we have to have the night, or the light rather. Before we can have the right, we have to have wrong. And you would have never known what wrong was. Now here, Brother Branham, I love the way that he projects the full gospel. Because he preaches healing, he preaches miracles, he preaches the supernatural, the phenomenal power of God, but he also preaches where we live every day of our life. How many believes in miracles, healing, signs, wonders, supernatural? But how many also knows you got trials? You got tests of life, you got difficulties. Well, you know, this is the way I see that as a preacher, I want to preach the message as well. That I want to preach a God that is so mighty, 
and so great and so wonderful. There's absolutely nothing we can ever go through that he can't bring us through that. I also want to preach life in a realism form. And that is that you're gonna have tests, trials, people aren't gonna love you. You're not gonna, everybody that comes to the Lord Jesus is not gonna be a millionaire. Sorry, if you thought you were, I hate to bust your balloon, but some of you are not gonna be billionaires and millionaires. Some of you won't even be thousandaires. That's right, some of you's gonna struggle, it's just the way it is. You're never gonna get up every day of your life and never have a sickness, that's not reality. But I wanna preach to you that if you do have sickness, you have a healer. And if you have a need, you have a mighty God that is bigger than every need you will ever have in this life. I love the way that our prophet stands in this aspect and brings these things to us. Notice again from his personal perspective now and the reproach of, of the cause of the word. My heart has got so many scars on it, Lord, from hard battles. I'm an old veteran. Help me, Lord. I need your help. Now what I hear from this is not the mighty Elijah standing there before the false prophets of Baal. I don't hear Elisha when he calls for the two she-bears come destroy the children. I don't hear the mighty conquering Elijah as he rebuilds the altar and calls for the Spirit of God to come down. But I hear from a man anointed with that spirit that is giving us an inside view of a hurt, wounded individual. Any of them type of people here today? Now, he gives us a little tiny glimpse inside of his heart, his heart. Now, we tend to rejoice in the miracles, the signs, the wonders, the phenomenon. I'll read you about some of them in a few minutes. But myself, I know I'm weird, I know. But myself, I absolutely love quotes just like this one. Because it helps me to relate as a minister, as a son of God. And I trust it'll help you relate today. My heart's got so many scars on it, Lord, from hard battles. I'm an old veteran. Help me, Lord, I need help. Maybe all this training has been for a purpose. I trust it has been, Lord. Help me, oh God. Help me, oh God. So we have to believe either one of two things from this statement. This is only an act. This is only a put on, that this man was not sincere or this is the sincere cry of a great veteran warrior. I know what I believe. What do you believe? You believe it's a veteran warrior? I thought so. So then this warrior is asking God for help. For what? to cast out another devil, to be able to lay hands on a cross-eyed child that God would heal it? No, help, help 
from wounds and scars and battles. He must have been feeling kind of weary. Anybody in here ever get there? Well, the rest of you godly angels that are here today, would you remember us poor mortals? Now, let me share this with you. I have never seen any cross-eyed child ever come to the platform but what was healed. Better than 300 cases of cross-eyed children have been healed in less than six months' time. Now, those of you who want to believe that Brother Branham was a false prophet and those who have attacked him, and you feel like you've been sent by God to straighten us out, I'm gonna ask you to do 300. I'll ask you to perform three, and then I'll sit down and talk with you. Let me know when you do it. But until, we'll follow this. Better than 300 cases of cross-eyed children that were healed in less than six months. We have a record of it. 40,000 testimonies to the sick to date of healing. Witnesses signed by doctors. 40,000 healings. To date, this is 1950, signed by doctors. Again, we won't require 40,000 of you. What about four? Not until you can keep your mouth off of God's prophet. Now wonder why there was never a cross-eyed child that ever come across the platform that was never healed. Not one. Wonder why an embedded scar on a servant's heart. Speaking about his little eight-month-old daughter. I'll never forget she was eight months old and I remember I used to come home and she'd sat out in the yard and I'd blow my horn and come around the corner and she'd go goo, goo, goo. And she'd reach I love those little fellas. Now he reverts from that back to when she was dying. She was suffering so hard till one of them little fat legs was moving up and down in a spasm and looked like her little hand was waving. And I looked at her and I said, Sherry, honey, you know, Daddy, I was trying to make myself strong. And I said, you know, Daddy, honey, her little lips got to quivering. She looked at me, 
she was suffering so hard till her eyes crossed. Her eyes crossed. I imagine Satan stood there and laughed. But he will pay. Little did he know one cross-eyed child would cost him one after another, after another, after another, hundreds of thousands of them. Did God do this? It wasn't God. But God took what had happened and did something out of the life of this man. The point I want you to see today is, friends, what will we do with the negative things in life that we've been through? Whether people have intentionally hurt us or not intentionally hurt us or have been let down or disappointed or whatever more, will we spend our life feeling sorry for ourselves and just, you know, poor little me, poor little me? Or will we allow God to take the things we've been through, like Bathsheba, a woman who was defiled. The prophet said David defiled his neighbor's wife. David was the one who instigated this evil and this wrong. But we don't find Bathsheba turning into the type of woman that sat around the palace all day and did absolutely nothing, feeling so sorry for herself. But she is the very epitome of what an honorable, virtuous woman should be, even for the New Testament daughters of God. So it depends on what we do with what life gives us. Brother Random calls it the human grab bag. The human grab bag. So out of the human grab bag, we can get all types of sickness and afflictions and complexes and fears and trauma and so much stuff that we inherit from our parents or our grandparents or uncles and then all the other stuff that's placed upon us through our short span of life and then we go to looking at serving God and we bring all this stuff to him. Lord, here I am. What, do you, what can you do with me? What, what, what can you do with me, Lord? Well, I've got this fear and I've got, I don't trust preachers and I, I don't trust men and I don't trust women and I, I don't like this and I don't like that and I, I've got racial problems and I've got this problem and that. If there's anything you can do with me, God, here I am. Go ahead. Well, the first thing he needs to change is our attitude. Now listen how that he unveils this part. This is 1950 by now, he's found out. I didn't know it then, but I understand it now. There has never been a cross-eyed child that come in the line. There's never been one that passed over the platform that was healed. I didn't know the crushing that it had to bring forth, but I never see it. I never see it till I think of it. So you can imagine every child, black, white, red, yellow, made no difference what size they were, how old they were, but every one of them that would walk up there before him, who would he see? Not just that child, 
but his own daughter, Sharon Rose. Anybody here that has lost a loved one to cancer, and whenever you do, there's something about that. Oh, you, you hear, you know, people and friends and relatives and, that had it and they passed away. Oh, that's terrible, that's terrible. But when it happens to you, there's something about it. It affects you in a more personal way. As a pastor, I hate cancer. I hate COVID. I hate different diseases that have come and attacked people in our church. I hate it because as a pastor, God gives me a charge to watch over my sheep and I do everything in my power. I hate it when disease strikes God's people. Don't you? I hate it when it comes and it gives me something inside. Now I hope you understand that God will layer the supernatural many times over the top of the natural makeup that he allowed to be molded in us Can't you see what God did in the prophet that God layered the supernatural? And Brother Random is not standing there out of human anger because we don't cast out devils out of human anger. We don't cast out devils by a loud screaming voice, but we cast them out by authority. But God layered the supernatural over the top of the natural. And then when this prophet spoke and when a person would walk up and he would see them there in that condition, and what happened? Something from within with an empathy that could never be read into. He could have read all kinds of books of people who had lost a child and the baby had died with the eyes being crossed. It would have never had the same impact upon him, but it happened to him. Do you understand those of you sit here today and you've got hurts and issues and scars and things like that. Instead of allowing those things to control you, why don't you let God layer over those hurts and let God be able to use you as a witness and you will be able to tell other people in a way that maybe I could not tell them. Look, brother, sister, you can allow God to take those things and turn them into something that will expand your testimony testimony to others and you can tell others God can help you through hurts and God can help you through disappointments and God can help you through sad times or you can sit around and feel sorry for yourself and struggle and not do anything for the kingdom of God. I refuse to be a victim of pain. I refuse to be a victim of being wounded and hurt by this and that and the other. Instead, I choose to be an instrument of healing through my pain. An instrument of healing through my loss. Anybody know what I'm saying? So we take what we've went through in life and allow God to turn around and mold it and make it into something to his honor. You know, I realize we're living in an age whenever everybody wants so many therapists. And I'm not against therapists as long as they don't tell you something contrary to God's word. But I know that there is an element of this about therapy and phobias and traumas. My goodness, I've never heard so many phobias in my life. Uh, you know, the, you go to read about it, you can't even keep up with it. They got so many phobias. People now are being able to draw unemployment because they got a fear of COVID. So I think a lot of lazy folks are just using that so they can stay home and draw a check. 
Well, go ahead, somebody praise the Lord. That's all right. But it's exactly what people want and and we have so many self-help books. And really there's only one book that can help you out of all the things that Satan got you into and that is the word of God. I don't care who writes you or says, well, I recommend this book from Dr. Dobson and I recommend that book from Dr. So-and-so and I recommend that book from Dr. So-and-so. Well, I recommend the Bible from Dr. God because Dr. God is a true physician. And he won't tell you to leave your wife and he sure won't tell you women to cut your hair and he won't tell you men, well, you're going to that old legalistic church and you need to live a little bit. There's only one way to really be able to live and that's in Christ Jesus. Do I believe phobias are real? I do. I deal with people who have them all the time. Listen to this, how strange they can be. I do not know you, I've never seen you. We are strangers, but I notice around you, you have a phobia of something. You have a phobia of something about wintertime. Now, how strange. When wintertime comes, you resent it. Now, can you imagine this might be your only opportunity that you get to stand before Elijah in your lifetime? He doesn't tell you what a great Christian you are. How many chapters you read before church? How many times you pray a day? How many times you fasted? The great sacrifices you've given to the kingdom of God. But before God and the devil and everybody else, he tells you you've got a phobia of wintertime. But you know what? That's what this person needed to hear. I imagine if God's prophet was here today and still discerning, I'd say that if he started with me and went down to every person here, probably what he would tell us wouldn't be some great supernatural something and people would be so overwhelmed by your spiritual wealth and your spiritual depth in God. I'd say we'd more find, we'd find out more about one another's humanity than we knew of knowing each other in decades. Because he probably wouldn't tell us great complimentary things. It would be such carnal stuff. It would be fears and phobias. And then, well, I wish somebody would preach with me this morning. Why? Because a lot of these things are what hinder our spirituality with God anyway. It's things like this that hold us back from going on. I want you to listen what a peculiar thing that he says. When wintertime comes, you resent it. You get scared when wintertime comes and it makes you all upset and it makes you constipated. Wow. So this poor person probably tried fiber. They probably tried more apples, more pears, more prunes, prune juice. They got online and they Dr. Googled it. Of course, Dr. Google wasn't in there then, but today that's what we would do. And they done everything depending on whether they lean toward the natural means or they lean toward the medical process. And they would go all natural if they were natural. And they'd all medical, they'd go all medical. And here God's prophet goes right down to the problem. Who, what doctor, what doctor would ever associate a fear of wintertime to being the cause of constipation? Wow. So I wonder how many things we're dealing with here today and we are treating the side effects with this and that and the other 
I mean, we've got one tablet for this and another pill for that and a shot for this. And, you know, uh, we read some new something, another coming from way over there in some foreign country. I don't know why it is, but this is the curiosity of human beings. They found some nut that falls off of a tree. And, it, you know, it's green and purple, yellow striped, and has white polka dots that run down the middle of it. And it's this rare thing. And they found out that when monkeys eat it, that it caused them to do this and that. And then somebody in a pyramid scheme wants you to be a partaker of it. And then you have so many people under you. And then people pop that peel. Whoa! I feel so cooked. Wow! They lace that with dope. You better stay away from that bottle pop. And then after a week or so, oh, I'm right back where I was. Shame on us. Shame on us for following all this stuff when really the reality is our answer is the Lord Jesus. Now I want you to notice how the prophet deals with this phobia of wintertime, the side effect of constipation. Does it recommend apples, prunes, prune juice? But he said, I curse that devil. In the name of Jesus Christ, go home. It won't bother you no more. It has left you. Hallelujah. I'll tell you, friend, Brother Branham ain't here today. Paul ain't here today. James ain't here today. But the same Lord Jesus that made that devil leave that individual is right here in this building today. Hallelujah. This is from Dawson Creek, British Columbia. What's the matter, soldier boy? You're not gonna commit suicide. The devil's lying to you, boy. You remember the story about the soldier boy in British Columbia, Dawson Creek? You've only got a phobia. He's lying to you. He will drive you insane if you believe him. You remember what this was, homosexuality. He will drive you insane if you believe him. Deny him. Renounce that devil. Hallelujah. I command you in the name of Jesus Christ renounce the devil. Wow, I want you to notice now the commanding is not going to the devil in this situation, but the prophet is commanding this soldier boy to renounce the devil. So here he's commanding him. Oh, glory. I wonder sometimes if some of you all ain't waiting on Brother Darrell to do it for you or waiting on me to do it for it, or somebody else to do it for it, and you need to rise in faith and say, Satan, in the name of Jesus, I command you, leave my body. Leave me, you tumor. Leave me, you gross. Leave me, you nervousness. My house is a house of God. I have no room for you in my body. Leave my body in the name of Jesus Christ. 
I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to renounce the devil and accept Jesus Christ as your healer. Healer? Healer? Dealing with a homosexual thing and you need healing? But where? Was there something in his body that was causing it? His spirit. A woman and man are not just different in their body and their anatomy. They're different in their spirit. Don't you understand? People that walk that walk, they're crossed up in their spirit. That's why you and I try to rehab them and try to talk them out of it. We'll never do it. They need deliverance inside themselves. It's a devil anointing and crossing up their spirit. What in the world would make a big, fat, ugly man want to drive, let his hair grow out like a woman and hair on his leg like a gorilla and want to be a girl? He's messed up in his spirit. Remember, God didn't just take, God could take a male rib and make female anatomy. God took a male rib from Adam and made a woman's body out of it. But God did not take Adam's spirit and put Adam's spirit, but he divided the spirits that he placed in Adam. In Adam, oh glory, in Adam was that masculine thing, but in Adam was also Eve's identity. And God separated that part from her. He did not give her Adam's male spirit. And Eve said, well, glory to God. I'm in charge of the Garden of Eden now, hallelujah. I'm gonna take care of everything. You imagine when he opened up his eyes, when Papa had laid him down there on that ground and put him to sleep. Maybe just passed his hand over his eyes and the divine anesthesia, he just started. And Papa reaches in and pulls the rib out from under his heart. And he lays the rib over on the table. And then Papa goes in to Adam's spirit and divides these timid, shy female traits that God had made in him. And God put this inside this spirit, this spirit inside this body. And then she comes up and God may have told her, go stand by him when he comes to him. So she's standing there by him takes his hand, starts taking her little tiny fingers, her little dainty fingers and rubbing over his hands. Sweetheart, sweetheart, wake up. I'm one of them type of guys whenever I have to have a procedure done, they can't hardly get me awake at all. I've had to have procedures done and I'm just like this. Hallelujah. But you know who they've sent to my room before? Whenever I've had to have colonoscopies or whatever it is to get me awake? A little lady right there. Donnie, Donnie, wake up. 
What is it, girl? What is it? You imagine as Adam's eyes began to come open. And here was this. How you doing, buddy? I'm a sense of lazy around through the garden of Eden. I'm in charge now since you, God gave me to be your head. I'm supposed to be your lip. I guess we can dismiss now. I'm sorry. <laughs> but you can imagine the first time when he looked at her, her blonde hair and her blue eyes and her standing there in the form that God made her. The prophet said the most beautiful woman that ever lived, ever lived, and yet so dainty and so touched him and was able to minister to him. And it was something he said, where did she come from? From you. From you. But this soldier boy has got messed up somehow in his spirit. So instead of being attracted to women, he was attracted to men. Now the prophet never looked at him and said, you ain't got no hope, boy. You're damned to hell. You get out of my prayer line. You ain't got no right standing in there. Come on, children. I pray God will help us to reach to that kind and every other kind that the Spirit of God leads us to. What's this? He said, renounce the devil and accept Jesus Christ as your healer. You'll go back and be a gentleman, a real, real man. A gentleman, a real, real man. Raise up your hands to God and say, praise God. That's right. Now go back home and be well. So you mean the person was sick? Yes. Not in the body, in the spirit. We as message people so specialize in ministering to the soul. Others of our ranks specialize so much. Their entire ministry is ministering to the body. But ain't we got some preachers? that can minister to the human spirit to help pull our spirit into harmony with God's word. Can I go on? What's this? What's your trouble? This is in Dallas in 64. You've had an accident. And in that accident, you were gassed with carbon monoxide gas. Now, is that true? It poisons you. It poisons you and your liver. And you've had trouble with that. And you've had trouble with your stomach. And the brother says, that's right. Okay, so some of these hypocrites that's hell bound that's standing up refuting all this. Here's a man that had the opportunity to say, you're a liar and that's a false prophet. He said, that's right. So you're gonna go back in time and refute this man? You say, why do you do that? Because I'm called to stand in defense of this word. Amen. Hey, look, friend, God didn't call me to be no pantywaist preacher. God didn't call me and give me a yellow streak up my back. I've stood for this word for decades of my life. I'll stand for it until the day I die. I will stand for it and say it is a message sent from God. 
It is a message that's called us out and we will not give it up. Oh my. You've had trouble with your heart. That's right. This is the brother answering him. It's made you so nervous till you built yourself in a complex. You're poor and you must go back to work, but you're afraid to go to work. Now look what Satan will do. Satan will cause something to happen to you and then you will build a complex out of it and then Satan will try to cut you off from the very resource that you need to live. Now you know this man was, was having a job dealing with this type of stuff. We don't know exactly what it was, but he had got poisoned by carbon monoxide poisoning and it had built this thing in him. It caused liver damage and caused other things and it's caused a complex where the man don't want to go back to work because he's afraid to go back now because it may happen again. You know what? Satan don't just do that to work. He loves to do that to church. So people get their feelings hurt going to church and they get their feelings hurt going here. Well, I don't believe in preachers no more. I don't believe in going to church no more. I got hurt, I ain't going back. There's too many hypocrites at church. I guess I just have maybe a slight problem with that. So those of you that are going to Longhorn after service today for church, for lunch, others of you are going here and there and there. Now, of course, you will do this the same way that you do church, right? That you will go in and say, I will not eat in this place if there's any hypocrites here. All gays, all homosexuals, all liars, all out while I eat. Oh, I see. It's written on your face. You don't have to say one word. So you have one standard for church and another standard for your favorite restaurant. Now, if you go to Walmart after, after you eat your lunch then, and I suppose you go up to the service desk and you take the microphone, attention, attention. All liars, all whoremongers, all thieves, all women with britches on, all this and that, the other, leave until me and my family are done shopping and then you can come back or I will not shop at Walmart. You'll be waving on your way out. Because they will throw you out. So what does Satan want to do? Have any of y'all ever noticed you can be feeling wonderful on Monday morning to go to work. Woo! Another work day. Oh man, alive. It's Monday, it's Monday, it's Monday. Here I go, I'm telling you what. And then Wednesday comes close to the midweek service. And Tuesday evening, ooh, my tummy hurts. And then Wednesday morning you get up and go, how are you? Oh, I ain't feeling so good. Wednesday evening, going to be able to go to church? I don't think so. And people that don't believe in miracles, they ought to watch people on Thursday morning. Because on Thursday morning, they get up and go to work. How are you today? I'm as chipper as a squirrel in a hickory nut pile. I'm telling you what, I feel so great. I don't know what in the world happened. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. Uh-huh. 
Do you honestly think you're going to be rewarded at that day for how faithful you were to your job? To how many days? I've worked so many days straight and haven't missed a day. You want a star? You want a trophy? What, What are you looking for? Isn't it amazing some of our priorities when it comes to church people? Oh, church will always be here. No, I want to tell you it won't always be here. No, it won't. Well, you can go to church anytime. No, you can't. One day, the bride will be gone. Our building may be left, but the bride will be gone. And people get into such a complex. Why? Because Satan knows if there's any place they can go to get helped, it's church. It's church where the word is preached and the spirit of God is there and deliverance is there. If I was the devil, I'd do my best to keep you out of church too. You're afraid to go back to work, but it's all gonna be all right now. Just remember, if Jesus Christ will tell me who you are, wow, and that those things are true, will you believe and accept it? Will you do it? Your name is Mr. Wagner. That's right. That's right. Go on back to work. Hallelujah. Well, your name is Miss Offended and Mr. Hurt. Go on back to church. Go on back to church. Hallelujah. You're gonna be healed. Go on back to church. Go on back to your family. Go on back to God. Go on back and let God do something for you. Isaiah 53.3 says it this way. He was despised and rejected of men a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. We hid as it were our faces from him and he was despised and we esteemed him not. He become this so he could relate to you. Listen to the meanings of these words. As I sat last night studying, I was just overwhelmed by them. The word despised means to be held in contempt, disdained. To be deemed despicable. So that's the way people looked at the Lord Jesus. He was despicable. And he did that for who? For the despicable. To be despicable. To be vile. And to be worthless. Worthless. Worthless? He was worth everything, was he not? But the way they looked at him, he was worthless. He's despised and rejected of men. So he was not admitted into the communication or fellowship with the lowest of humanity. Many of the scum, as we would call them, of the earth was respected more than he was. Dear Lord Jesus, 
Why? He was deemed unworthy. Born illegitimate. Born out of wedlock, so they thought. Claimed God was his father. A man like that. How many has ever been slighted before by people? Oh, really? Why? I thought there'd been more than that. How many ever feel like people just kind of ignored you? You know, and they'd see so-and-so and so-and-so, and and boy, they'd just make over them, and they'd look at you and look right at you, and you'd say, here I am as big as an elephant, and they don't even see me. And it it hurts you, don't it? It hurts you. Then if you're not careful, that hurt will turn into resentment, and that resentment will turn into anger. And then you'll find yourself having something against that individual, and sometimes it's true, that people just don't see us. They really don't see us, and they don't mean it, but yet it goes to building a complex in our minds, and the prophet said, you imagine that someone has something against you? He said, really, they don't, but you imagine they do, and in your imagination, you imagine that it's there, and it goes to build up, and he said, the next thing you know, you won't even speak to that person, and it's only in your imagination. But it was not in Jesus' imagination. He could hear them whispering. Here he comes. Hey, 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 get away from him. Look at him. That man. They told me he said he was was a healer. He was this. Lord, have mercy. Don't even have fellowship with him. Despised. Oh, God. A man of sorrows. And the word sorrow is pain. And it means both physical pain and mental pain. So Jesus suffered the physical pain in his body, but he also suffered mentally of being rejected. Not having very many friends. And when we come right down to it, even his disciples went away from him. Is that right? So no matter how low, friends, you and I have ever been, none of us have ever been where he went. And why was it necessary for him to go this way? Because he knew you and I, the making of a Gentile bride, that we would not only need healing in our bodies, but we would need healing from rejection. We would need healing from people that want nothing to do with us. And some of you have been rejected by mothers, fathers, by loved ones. And Jesus told us it would be that way so we would not be discouraged. But, oh, Brother Donna, you you can't relate to it. No, maybe I cannot relate to your hurt, but he can. He can relate to no matter what you've been through, he can relate to it and he can turn it and make you a woman bride, as it were, to be one who is after God's own heart. A woman that he could say, many other women have done excellently, but thou excellest above them all. That was what was said about Bathsheba. Thou excellest above them all. What a woman. What a woman. What a bride. Let me close. We hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised. We esteemed him not. You know, Isaiah, when he prophesied this, he said he was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. In other words, he was known by grief. I find this amazing that how many of us miss this as one of the attributes of the Lord Jesus that many of us would identify him only by healing, Brother Darrell. 
would identify him only by miracles. But Jesus partially was known by being hurt. Can you imagine? He was persecuted from the day he was born until the day he died. The Lord Jesus, grief was such an acquaintance. It was around him every day of his life. Everywhere he went, there was grief and sorrow and pain and hurt. He was a man of sorrows acquainted. Grief was one of his daily acquaintances. Oh, I'm sure he had joy. I'm sure that there was such happiness inside of him. But isn't it amazing? The Bible doesn't say it that way. The Bible does not identify him as being acquainted with shouting. And the Lord Jesus was just this happy Christian that ran around dancing all the time. There's no scripture that even says he ever danced at all. But his acquaintance was grief. Oh, Lord God. Why? For us. His constant companion, his constant conversant that was there talking to him, grief. He was oppressed. I found this word amazing. To press, to drive down, to exert demanding pressure. Oh man. A taskmaster or a ruler, a tyrant to be hard pressed. He was oppressed. And he was afflicted to be bowed down, to put down, to be depressed. Can you imagine the Lord Jesus being depressed? How many has ever been depressed? Just feel so sad and you go through things and you know how we are. Whenever the Lord will allow tests and trials to keep going and going and the pressure builds and builds and oh my, we get to a place and then what do we do? We go to saying things. Oh, I can't take it no more. I, I, I can't handle it. I just can't do it. I can't do it. God, if you don't help me, I'm gonna quit. I can't, I can't take it no more. I can't take it. Now let's be honest and truthful. The most of the time for a seed of God that is not their heart speaking. That's the weariness of their human spirit. That's their anxiety. How many's ever said it? Oh Lord, I can't. I just can't go no farther. Lord, I just can't do it. And it ain't tomorrow. You're wide open again. You don't feel one bit better, but you say, devil, out of my way. I shouldn't have mumbled that stuff. Get out of my way, devil. And the devil hears you say, he said, he don't mean that a bit more than nothing. I know him. But you know what? He'll turn right around and condemn you for what you said in your moment of weakness. And the Lord Jesus allowed himself to feel Depression, depression. Some of you young people think you've got a right to be depressed because you're rejected by other young people in our church or other young people in the message. You ain't felt nothing compared to what our Lord went through. But he went lower than you would ever be able to go so he could encompass every human being on the earth that would trust him. Not only for salvation, but redemption from depression. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. Blessed Lord God. In the name of Jesus, 
every demon out of hell here today that tries to depress God's people. Satan, I call your bluff. You are defeated. You are a liar, Satan. Hallelujah. Every one of you right now in the name of Jesus that are feeling oppressed, depressed, stand to your feet. Those of you that are streaming the service, you can't be here with us physically, visibly, right there where you are. Open your heart to the Lord Jesus. Let him set you free. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, Lord God, I bless your name. Thank you, Jesus. Doomed devils are on the run. Hallelujah, when Jesus comes through. I'm sure you sense that change right there, friends. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Heavenly Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, I bring your children before you right now. Those that are here visible and those, Lord, that are streaming this service and those that will go back and archive it right now in the name of Jesus Christ. May the Spirit of God move across this audience today, Lord. You felt sadness and depression and weariness. So, Lord God, each one of these standing here today and those at home would be able to be set free. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I condemn this devil. And I say to you, Beelzebub, go back to hell. Take your hands off of God's children. You try to rob them of their joy, rob them of their peace. In the name of Jesus Christ, take your hands off of God's property. Right now, in Jesus' name, leave them. Leave them, Satan. Resent him, children. Resent him. Don't give him a spot in your life. Don't give him a spot in your home. Don't give him a spot in your walk. But tell him, I resent you, you depression. I resent you away from my life. You've robbed my joy long enough. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. Maybe there's others here not fighting depression, but you got a need in your body. Maybe you're fighting rejection from people, rejection from this, that, the other. Whatever your need is, can we just stand together? Whatever your need is. Whatever your desire is. How many needs the Holy Ghost? How many needs closer walk with God? How many needs more revelation? All of us have needs. While we're here in the presence of the King. Oh, hallelujah. Brother Dad, would you come, brother, and pray for the people? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How many believes he's here right now? Oh, Brother Donnie, I'm waiting till Wednesday night. Why wait till Wednesday night when today is your day? Some of you got a miracle written. Your name is written all over a miracle right here this morning. Oh, but I don't feel nothing. You don't have to. Believe it. Believe it. Whether you feel not, some of you let every day be nothing but a constant onslaught of a mind battle. You never have one day in your walk with God that you have a peaceful day. I say to you today, you need to say, devil, I put my foot on your head today in the name of Jesus. You're a liar. I bring my thoughts into subjection to the Lord Jesus Christ and his word. Pray for him, Brother Darrell. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, God, we come before you today, Lord. 
We believe, dear Lord God, that you're the author and finisher of our faith, dear God, the deliverer of our souls, Lord. Father God, we come against our enemy in the name of Jesus Christ, Father. Same anointing that raised our Lord from the grave. That same anointing that's among us now, dear God, to rise us to our rightful positions as sons and daughters of God. It's we come against you, Satan, in the name of Jesus, and we resent you today. You've tormented God's people, but we stand up on your neck today and rebuke you by the power and the authority given to us as sons and daughters of God. We look to you, Father, our healer and our deliverer, our comfort and our strength and our joy. Oh, Lamb of God, you're the answer to every problem. You're the answer yesterday, today, and if there's a tomorrow, you will be the answer tomorrow, dear God. We look to you, Lord, and receive that which you gave us, Lord, when you paid the price at Calvary and suffered dear God for our redemption and for the freeing of our souls and the oppressions of our bodies and we receive it today in the name of Jesus Christ oh Lamb of God we look to you today Father may you move upon every need God upon every home upon every life God let victory reign forth today let the power dear God of the living God move upon the people today Lord oh Lamb of God may we take Lord the difficulties and the hurts of life and turn it around Lord for a great victory in thy kingdom we pray today oh lamb of god we love you lord and we believe you today when we receive it in the name of jesus christ oh god may you move upon every heart lord upon every sister dear god upon everyone who feels rejected lord and not loved today god and no one understands them but you understand lord and we look to you today god to bridge that gap in their life lord god may this be the day lord that they walk out a free person for whom the son is made free is free indeed and God we receive it today we receive it today we step out of the prison house that Satan has tried to bind us in you've opened the door of the prison house and released us today Lord and we receive it in the name of Jesus Christ for the glory of God hallelujah hallelujah oh you who free today raise your hands and receive it I pray in the name of Jesus Christ the Lamb of God has made you free step out free today in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Grant it, oh God. Hallelujah. Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah, my healer, my joy, my strength, my all in my all. I look to you, Lord God. I believe the report, Lord. I believe the report today, Lord God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Satan, you have lost the battle. My Lord hath defeated you. Hallelujah. Heal the spirit, Lord, of the people, dear God, today. Lord, not only the soul and the body, but heal the spirit of your people today, Lord God. Grant it, Lord Jesus. We receive it today, Lord. All things are possible. All things are possible to them that believe. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Touch your people. Touch your people. Touch your people. Touch your Him today with all your heart.
Brother Michael Carter sitting right outside this door over here in a vehicle. He's been taking treatment in his body. He's left him with many different side effects. He's unable to even be able to come in here today. Brother Darlene in a few minutes is going to go out and pray for him. But I believe while the presence of the Lord is here, we need to pray for him together. The doctors have told him some of the things that this chemo and stuff has caused, is things he'll be left with the rest of his life. But I believe there's another report. Oh, hallelujah. Who will believe the report of the Lord? Will we take what doctors say when they say there's no hope? Or we believe the report of him that says by his stripes, you are already healed. Join with me now as we pray for our brother. Heavenly Father, we join our faith together right now in the name of Jesus. For Brother Michael Carter, you see, Lord, even unable to come in to the assembly here this morning. Father, sitting out there patiently waiting the whole service to ask for prayer. Lord God, in the name of Jesus, we bring our brother before you now, Lord, as saints of God. No doubt some of these folks can enter into that. They have an empathy. They saw someone deal with chemo and they saw the pain and they saw what it can cause. And Lord, maybe there's some streaming this morning. Father, every one of us, the best that we know how, we're bringing our faith and we're applying it to the promise of God. Would you go right there, Lord, now in the name of Jesus, touch our brother Michael. Heavenly Father, you see what the doctors say and we're grateful for everything they can do to help us. But we know many times they come to the spot they don't know what to do. I'm reminded of a woman in the Bible and the Bible says she had suffered many things of physicians. It does not say they helped her at all and she went from one to the other and they took nearly every farthing she had and she done everything no doubt they told her to do but they could not help her. Oh, but one day she heard about a man coming through town. It was a man that was despised and rejected. He didn't have a great reputation. He didn't have a lot of honor as far as the people was concerned but somehow she believed if I can touch but the hem of his garment I will be made whole. She did not have a quote. She did not have a scripture but she had a revelation from God. Hallelujah. Father in the name of Jesus may brother Michael may receive his touch today. Lord while your anointing is here while the angels of God are walking in this building this morning, Father. I pray your presence would touch each heart. Heal the sick, Lord. Fill with the Holy Ghost. Encourage those that are down and weary, Lord God. Walk among us, Heavenly Father, I pray. Manifest yourself, Lord Jesus. Oh, Lord, we bless your name, Father. We worship you, Lord. We adore you, Lord God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Or maybe we can sing that song. But there you want to lead it for us? Who, who will re- believe the report of the Lord? Oh, can we just rejoice a little bit before we go? My, ain't it been good to be in church today in the house of God? <clears throat> Thank you, Lord. Well, whose report will you believe? We shall believe the report of the Lord. Whose report will you believe? We shall believe the report of the 
step program three different times I cannot stop drinking I've tried everything and I said sis have you tried Jesus you just lay your alcohol right here and take his forgiveness take his freedom enjoy his freedom 
And I'll never forget it. I began to pray for that young girl. She began to scream, I'm free. I'm free. And by the grace of God, I was there just a year or so ago. She came up to me. She said, Brother, it's been two years. And I'm still sober. I said, you see, because whom the Son has made free is free indeed. Barabbas that day in that jail cell, the door was open, said, you're free. He said, it's your trick. You want, to, you want me to go so you can, you can kill me and tell everybody he tried to escape. And I said, no, 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 no trick. You're free. We walked right out that door free. I said, how can this be? He said, look out the window. You see that man hanging on the cross? He took your place. Every prison door has been opened. You can step out free today. Well, brother, I don't, it ain't based on feeling. He never said, he gave us the answer with Jairus. And they come and said, trouble the master no more. Your little girl's gone. It's over. But Jesus gave him the antidote to every negative report. He just touched him on the shoulder and said, only believe. I know, friends. I see it every day of my life. He opens the blinded eyes and he makes the lame to walk. He's our God. Amen. I'm no longer a slave.
the mighty God, I'm no longer a slave to fear, oh, I am a child of God, from my mother's womb, you have chosen me, your love has called my name. I've been born again into your family. Your blood has washed me last night as I sat and said it. Brother Brown prayed for his church and prayed for himself and asked God to forgive them. And he wanted God to forgive them, not for drinking, not for lying, running around, committing adultery. But he asked that God would forgive them for their sinful fears. I thought, what a statement. That God would forgive them for their fears. I'd say there's probably more than just Brandon Tabernacle that needs that today. He's done so much for us. Why would we fear? And yet we do. And if we're not careful, it'll overwhelm us. How many knows it's the truth? But how many know you need God's help today to help you get away from those sinful fears? God bless you. Such a privilege for us to be together today. Let Brother Harry sing and we'll, we'll be dismissed as you feel that you want to go. Service here again Wednesday night. We had to put a few more uh, protection things up in front of the heat pumps at the church. So we've got 14 more of those to put up tomorrow. And they'll come hopefully and inspect it. And uh, we're hoping they'll come again and inspect again and inspect again. I wonder if the Lord's kind of teach us a lesson about these Johnson City inspectors. That's sort of, sort of the way our life is. That we think we're doing so good. And then the Holy Ghost goes to inspect and say, uh-oh. See that right there in your life. Fix it or you ain't going. Mm. Amen. Amen. Let's fix it so we can leave. Amen. 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 How many wants to leave Holiday Inn? I put my other one if I can get it up. I sat back there and freeze to death. There's no heat back there. So I sat back there and freeze to death. I had my coat on. 
I come in here and I burn up. I go back out there after church and I freeze to death again. That's just part of my complaints. We want to get everything inspected so we can get ready to move and move in. Oh, there's a home waiting for us. No trouble, no heartache, no anxiety. Let's get ready so we can be inspected when the inspector will pull the door down and say, you're ready to go, you're ready to go, you're ready to go, you're ready to go, you're ready to go. Every one of us sealed by the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah! Then the rapture can take place. I better let you go. The preacher's here this morning. God bless you. I love you, saints. You're dismissed. I'm no longer asleep I am a child I'm no I've been born